Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, today we have a special episode. We have two guests with our as uh, with us are uh, Ivan Doclo and Greg Medland, who've uh, both been on the show before. Uh, Levan Doclo is a uh, software architect at Barco, and uh, Greg Medland uh, is an IT recruiter who has worked many years in the European market, but is currently focused in the American market. The reason we have two guests today is because uh, they will together be discussing uh, the both sides of the IT recruitment process. Um, so uh, let's let's start off with you, uh, Levan. Uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm a software architect at Barco. I've um, been freelance for over four years. Um, have 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 had multiple customers in the past, but um, actually my, my assignment at Barco is the first time that I'm actually working through an IT recruiter. So um, th that's why it's interesting to have this debate because I, I actually see both sides of the coin working through a recruiter and don't, and not working through a recruiter. Um, yeah, so that's about it for me. Okay. Uh, what about you, Greg? Can you uh, quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, as, uh, as you mentioned, I worked in the European market um, on software developers, mainly mobile developers, um, for a good three and a half, four years um, before transitioning over. I was actually uh, headhunted by a, a recruiter to recruiter. So I've, I've also <laughs> yeah. been on. I've also been on the re receiving oh, end of, of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, now I'm working in the US, um, but still keeping my presence in Europe because you know, like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of need over there for for, for skilled guys in Europe, etc. So. Yeah, I'm trying to keep a foot on them on both sides of the pond at the moment. Okay, um, I think you're going to do an excellent job of that. Um, so, um, Greg, uh, just right off the bat, um, can you tell us a little bit about why, what IT recruitment is and why it is important? Yeah, 100%. So um, I can speak about my experience, which is obviously IT and software focused for uh, the European market, mainly Belgium and the Netherlands, um, which is where my, most of my experience is. Um, essentially, what, what, what I, I've seen from that time um, in terms of our sort of purpose, um, a lot of it is sort of um, information side and sales. So, you know, there's a lot of asymmetric information in the labor market, as everyone knows. There's a lot of uh, job opportunities and, uh, and contracting opportunities that aren't you know, known on the wider market. There's not a one marketplace where you can go on and see everything that's available. Um, so a lot of the, the work that a recruiter does is, 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 is for one, uncovering um, those opportunities, um, creating them in some instances by you know, consulting with companies and saying, hey, here's what you need um, sort of thing. And then, of course, it's, it's attracting the talent um, that you know, a lot of internal uh, uh, recruiters, perhaps in, in in Belgium and the Netherlands, struggled to attract uh, the right guys and, and get the publicity out there for mm -hmm. their roles. Um, so it's it's it's, ma it's matchmaking the two, um, and obviously, uh, yeah, trying to trying to cut out as much sort of asymmetric information in the market as possible. Really, that's how, how I would uh, summarize okay. it. Now, Levin, how could you be against this? <laughs> well. 
I know. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm sorry. It's a very silly question. Yeah, no, so, probably, um, uh, well, but the reason why we have you here is because you know you're going to be the the uh, IT uh, freelancer, and Greg's going to be the recruiter. So, um, you know, returning back to the question, what's wrong with that? Yeah. So. I think Greg Greg made an excellent point in saying that they 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 keep track of contracting opportunities because there is no central platform. So um, the problem is that I'm against it is because just once there would be a central platform, there the the market for recruiters would basically disappear because you would have people like me going to that platform and talking directly to a customer. So. Um, there, there are actually two points that I'm, I'm, I'm not so, such a fan of of, of uh, recruiters, and that's one is the a, is the the skill part. So um, I, I I get contacted by recruiters about twice a week, um, and one thing that annoys me tremendously is the lack of technical knowledge um, of um, the product that that they're actually trying to sell. So um, if I see, for example, if I get a mail by a recruiter and I see that they can't even spell the technologies correctly that the client is using, then that's for me like you don't even care about the function that you're trying to recruit for. You don't even take the, the, the time to, to research what, what the technology actually is. You just put some stuff on the paper. You do like carpet bombing of your entire um, mailing list. And that's that, that's something that I really I don't like about the recruiting part is that it comes over to me like it's it's a carpet bombing um, operation. It's, we have an opportunity. They have like this huge list of people that they can contact. They just send the mail and they see what sticks. Um, the other one is, is more like the, the, the financial part of the entire operation. That's the margins that are being uh, taken by recruiters. Um, because we, we always joke like the only thing that a recruiter needs to do once they have placed somebody is send an invoice every month. So um, and if you take that towards the, the, the amount of money that that's that they ask for for such a thing, like the margins between what I what I invoice monthly and what they invoice monthly to a customer, there's like this huge margin in between. And we're not talking about like a, a couple of hundred of euros. We're really talking about thousands of euros. Somewhere sticking around those those um, those middlemen, and mm -hmm. there there's like a discrepancy between the value that is being presented and the money that's that's that it costs to to produce that value. Okay, so you said two points. First one is um, uh, you believe or you feel that uh, the recruiters that contact you don't actually have the technical skills to even understand what they're selling. A second, you're saying. Or once they've placed somebody, they keep on uh, making uh, financial profit despite not having to do any other work, and you feel that's dis disproportionate. Yeah, the, 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 I've had like the multiple discussions with recruiters in the past. Like we 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 talked about why don't you go off with a one-time fee? Okay, we'll yeah, we'll go with yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg. Uh, so yeah, sure. you have the points now. Yeah, sure. So, so, so the first point in terms of the lack of technical knowledge, um, etc. Um, I've I've seen this firsthand myself. Um, I think it's a it's a valid point. Um, I, I, there's not too much arguing I can do there. My my obviously suggestion would be in to combat that. I mean, you know, you get those sorts of poorer services 
in every industry, in every industry in the world. You know, there's there's poor IT freelancers who don't do their job well, who get fired after a week of a six-month contract, and then you as an agent look bad. That doesn't mean to say that all IT contractors are bad. Um, so that, that's that's what, what I would say to that. But I would say as well, the reason that that happens a lot less in other industries is perhaps because there's higher barriers to entry. Um, you know, for, for, for new consultants who are, you know, fresh out of, of university or, or college and, and go straight into recruiting and don't know the first thing about IT and they can get straight into and stuck into in a lot of agencies contacting guys like yourself. And, and, and that's where, you know, you guys are looking at those males like, you know, come on, what? And, and, and I understand that. But like, for instance, with the, the agency I work for now, they have a different setup whereby, let's say, a, a junior would start at 21 they would then shadow a senior person and they would help them fill their roles for their clients where they have a really good relationship, et cetera. And they would help, you know, qualify people on that basis. So they get to know the market, they get to know the skills, they get to know the candidates before they're ever allowed to proactively reach out, you know, and, and do that kind of thing once they're at a certain level. Now that's something that is inherent in some agencies and not others. And I guess the only way I could, I could advise in sort of how we eliminate that bad side of things is to, you know, use GDPR to your own effect and, and cut out those bad agencies. Um, I know that's a bit of hassle, but I mean, that's, you know, it's the same for everything. You know, it's what we do when we get spam emails, we we, we block them. <laughs> and I think if, if you've had a bad experience with an agency like that, you know, likely it is they're not going to change. They're going to keep on with the same sort of method and, and, and you will continue to have a bad experience. So, yeah, I think I think with that, it's pick a, pick your recruiters wisely. Is what what, what we discussed with Errol last time um, on on the call, and I think that's a, a really key part of things. You know, I, a lot of a lot of um, guys I work with who are really really good at their jobs had the same contract, so working with them for five years at you know, five different places because they trust them, they like them, and they know that they know their stuff. Um, they can match them up well. So yeah, that's I think that comes down to a bit of um, a bit of. Uh, effort on both sides really to make that relationship work um to come on to point two um obviously this is probably one of the most sort of brought up issues because obviously it's it's uh, the back pocket that's that's hurting on this one um and i i do understand the the reasoning um however you know you've got to if if, if you take if a, a startup takes a, a software product to market when they take it to market they try and sell that software product let's say to a big company, and maybe it's an internal CRM tool or something like that, the cost price of, of, of that software is not just what it costs on the day to, to, to send the package to the company. It's the three years of research and development, the investment in staff they've made over those three years, that all comes into the cost of the final product. So if you look at the cost price compared to the retail price of you know software products, for example, there's a there's a margin of you know 99% or, or something like that and and no one really bats an eyelid and it's the same principle with with, with with recruitment I would argue if the the placement doesn't happen just by you know a company getting one CV sending it to a client it's you know the back office it's the legal team who sort through all the clients documents and it's the payroll team who make sure everyone's paid on time each week it's the people who do the timesheets it's also the years of building up someone's personal brand in a, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a community. It's, it's years of building up the CRM, uh, you know, building up the contact points of, of a lot of good developers in the industry. And then, you know, when it comes to that one, 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 one deal, if you like, 
it can it can, it can seem like all a recruiter has done is received an email and sent it out, but you don't appreciate the fact that that recruiter has spent the last six months speaking to Java developers similar to yourself, perhaps in Belgium, finding out you know what's going on in the market, you know, asking them, hey, is your company hiring at the moment? Doing the late nights, doing those kind that kind of legwork. And then that eventually comes to fruition in terms of, you know, they say, someone might say, you know, freak free earlier, actually my boss did mention he's going to be looking for someone on a contract basis. Okay, so then you've got to then go and make contact with that client, build up a relationship, agree the terms. And then when they approach you with that opportunity, it just so happens that you're actually in the market for that. And what I would say on that point as well is that if you're not happy with, 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 with the rate on offer, there's no obligation for you to ever accept, um, you know, if 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 they're bringing to you, you know, if you're working at let's say six hundred euros per day, and someone approached you with an opportunity at six fifty today, I mean, I can only speak personally, but what the actual client is paying, I wouldn't be too bothered about because I'm getting another, you know, fifty euros a day, um, and you can also make that case for the for the, for, the, for the rest of the market. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could go on and on with other examples. Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, in terms of using good contractor profiles to create vacancies. You know, sometimes if I have a candidate that I know is really good, but he's found himself out of work through a project being cancelled, I will then spend, you know, up to a month, you know, speaking to startups who I know or, or companies who use this, the software that he knows, trying to say, hey, could you use this guy just for a three or four months? And I've actually created something that's not a job, that it's not advertised anywhere. The manager didn't even know that he really wanted someone, but when he knew the skills were, you know, around and they were half an hour from from where their office is located, he was like, "Yeah, I'll take the guy." Um, I know that's a case by case basis, but I'm just giving, trying to give a few examples of where there can be a bit more value. <laughs> well, that's a, I've got a couple of interesting remarks on that one. Um, first of all, like you, you take up startups, um, and there's there's a small difference between reselling a product and reselling a service because what recruiters are doing, they are basically reselling a service. So um, you say like, okay, if I, if I get a job for 600 and somebody else offers me 650, I wouldn't, I, I shouldn't really care about what the customer actually pays for me, but I do because say that, for example, I have a job that, that, that I can invoice at 600 euros a day. And the customer pays for me 800 euros a day. The customer is actually expecting service that is that is linked towards 800 euros a day. But I only get 600, so I will only produce 600 euros of value a day because if, if somebody pays me 600 euros compared to 800 euros, there's there's a there's some difference in in like. If somebody pays me 800 euros a day, I will will, will make no issue in in like working at 10 a.m. at 10 p.m. in the evening, finishing something up. If somebody pays me 500 euros a day, I'm stopping at five at 5 p.m. because I'm not getting paid over overtime anyway. So there, there's there's a bit, there's a difference in in the service that you like you get what you pay for, and that's the that's the point like. Customers are expecting like they see the they see the amount of value of, of money that they have to pay to to have somebody work for them, and they see like okay that person cost me eight hundred euros a day, but actually they only get six hundred euros of value out of that. Somewhere in between that there's like this this two hundred euros that is, that is getting a that that sticks with 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 the um, 
with the recruiter. So there, there's a, the slight discrepancy. I have no problem with you guys making making a profit. Like I, I will never. Hey, everybody has a right to to mm -hmm. make a profit. So I have no problem with that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But um, you say like there, there's a lot of costs upfront that you need to that we don't take in, into account. And I don't have any problem with that. But for example, if you take up um, people that are working for the same company for five years through the same recruiter. That that recruiter is being is getting that that margin for five years. Mm. At some point, you have a break-even point, and then I have no problem with with with, with you making some profit. But at some point, it needs to stop, and that's that's one of the major issues that I have with recruiting companies, and that that the contracts that you you sign with recruiting companies explicitly prohibit you to, for example, after five years working for that through that company, to say like, okay. I've done enough. Uh, you, you guys uh, made enough money on me. I'm going to work directly for that customer because it, there, at that point, after five years, it's just like you, you don't really do the, the same work that you just set up front. Like you just capitalize on, on, on that work and you, you do the same thing. But I'm not allowed. Like the, the, we call those strangling contracts. Because you just strangle those, those like we're not allowed, and we're not even allowed to work for that same cusp, customer for an entire year if we leave the the consulting company, and that's one of the major issues that I have. Like, if somebody would say to me, "You have to work through a recruiter for like two years, and after two years, we're gonna like cut the tie," and if you want to work directly to the customer, everybody would love you guys. Really, mm. everybody would love you. Mm. But now it's like, okay, you just at some point. You, a, you, you, a, there, there's like this discrepancy between the two, a, between the value that you're creating and and the a, the cost that you're in, incurring on the on the customer. Hey, Greg, uh, you know, uh, I I love to hear your answer, but I think Med is also uh, going to add something to the conversation. Yeah, thank you, Earl. Um, so it was really the the point that. <laughs> Uh, that that Levin brought up uh, they were exactly the ones I was gonna challenge uh, actually Greg with. Now, but but since they were brought up, I'm not gonna repeat things. But so so let me put it then. Let me put a solution on the table, and and see if this would help. I mean, see both sides if they're okay with them. What if there was transparency, like clear transparency, like if if someone is, uh, let's suppose you are. Let's suppose the the client is paying, for example, eight hundred, the the and and the consultant is getting six fifty, and the recorder is getting one fifty, and this is clear. Everybody sees it. Is that I mean, is that okay for all sides? That's one. Although the client might also I mean, maybe still that issue of the client, the customer is expecting you know a value of eight hundred while. The consultant is delivering at 650. That still remains, I think. But I think with that, at least the transparency part, could that help? That's one. And the second thing is, um, so aside from the transparency, if there was also like, I mean, I would challenge then the, the consultant to be more, uh, to, to do more upfront work in the contract itself. They don't have to accept the contract uh, uh, blindly, I think. Um, they, you know, they would simply you have to challenge the contract at first. Say, look, uh, this is good for one year, for example. Uh, after one year, uh, then I'm free to proceed. You know, uh, to build a relationship directly with the customer. I mean, so these are two two points, right? Like upfront renegotiating contract or 
pre-negotiating contract, I should say, uh, and and the other one is transparency. I mean, I'd love to see for, for both sides if that would be a good compromise. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick answer on that one on my side. Like, okay, but then we're gonna let Greg answer. Okay? Yeah, renegotiating the contract. I actually do that every six months, um, and there's one clause that they are unwilling to drop, and that's the non-compete clause. Everything else is negotiable, but not that one. So because they know, like, it, it, once they drop that one after the next contract, I'm gone. Like, I work directly for the customer. And they know it. So it would be a, a fantastic solution. I, I, I have no problem saying, like, after two years, you get to drop that clause. I'm fine with that. But they never will because it, then they, they're hurting. Will you never, own. Greg? I think it it, it, it will. It has. I know from personal experience, it's been dropped. Um, you know, it's 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 something that is more commonplace over in the US, less so in 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 Europe for sure. I mean, I would argue that there's not a lot of freelancers who will stay at the same client for five years. As kind of defeats the uh, the objective of uh, of being freelance. I feel. Um, I mean, and if we get into any any sort of shorter period than that, I mean, you could. Uh, an analogy might be, you know, you 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 have a property investor who says, "Okay, give me, you know, twenty five thousand pounds. I'll turn it into, you know, thirty five thousand pounds in five years, let's say." But I'm going to be taking a ten percent cut all the time. Obviously, they miss that bell. They're not going to negate their once they've done the work at the beginning. They're not going to negate that and then say, "Okay, no, now all the profit's yours." Once once things go into fruition, any sort of service level industry like that you know has to rely on these contracts to to be economically efficient i think that's it's it without without contracts the whole thing falls apart and i understand that, that is the annoying part for a contractor because they feel tied by this however i would sort of go back to the fact that when you're when you're approached by a company assess that the offer that they make you know assess assess it up front and then you know, you might say to, to the to the contract, okay, but if I'm there for 18 months, two years, do you agree that if the client pay this conversion fee for me and buy me out of the contract, we can do that? And I think a lot of recruiters would would, would accept that because they, they, they think at that point, you know, it's it's I've had my value. You know, you're right. It, it's 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 only fair that you guys just do it together. Um, I think. Um, like, like, you, like you mentioned at one point, why can't we do a one-off fee for a contractor? Well, because clients don't want to is the bottom line of that. A client would not want to do, do uh, that with a contractor because they're like, hey, he could leave within two weeks' notice and we've paid you, you know, 25,000 euros and the guy's gone after a week, you know, and it kind of falls apart. So we have to have a contract running for a certain amount of time that equates to a permanent fee, you know. The, the permanent fees are, are, are similarly but very high in Europe because of the scarcity of, of candidates. So if you're a recruiter, you get a guy a permanent job in the IT sector at a senior level, you're going to get 30,000 euros, right? And that 30,000 euros for you guys is spread on top of your your, your, your rates for, 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 for a long period. Um, whereas the average contract length, you know, in, in, in Belgium is around sort of 12 to 18 months, I believe, from when I was working there. So... It kind of equates in the same way, and you don't often get into these discussions with um, permanent candidates because it's not so evident. You don't. I think it, it kind of hurts contractors that they see it every month and it's relentless. 
I think that's the the, the fact that, that sort of hurts. But yeah, I mean, the perm guys tend not to sort of listen to it, you know, or, or pay much attention to it. I think because they're happy with their salary, and that's that. Um, let me, let me if I, if I may, uh, leave and there's a, there's something there. I, I understand that. So you bring the example of you know every time you approach um, the recruiter to drop this clause. They, they do not agree to it. Um, I would say, I would say, once you start working, you know, once once you start your relationship with the customer, right, then you become more. The, the bonds between the two become stronger than the bonds with the with the recruiter. Keep that in mind. So if you both of you, if both of you approach the recruiter, you have more chances of dropping that clause. And for the recruiter's benefits. If the customer, not you, unfortunately, but the customer, the one that's making the payments, if they decide that this clause should drop, they can put enough pressure in most cases for it to drop for future business. Because if the recruiter, the recruiter really always, they're the weak spot except for that clause, right? And if you go to them and say, look, what's fair, like a really fair amount or it's been two years, for example, we're going to simply drop this for future business. This person will not get them directly with us. You know, I think in most cases, they will, they will, um, they will honor it. If you go to the consultants, I, I, I see your case where it's be more difficult to drop it. That's my, that's my view on, <laughs> that's my read on the market at least. Yeah, I think it's an interesting with the one-time fee, like customers don't, uh, don't want to pay it because the person can leave after two weeks. That's something you can easily solve with a clause in the contract between you and the and the contractor. Like, like if you leave between, hey, we don't put in the, the non-compete clause. Like we don't, we, we leave that one out. But if you leave within six months, you have to pay X amount of euros. That's something that, that most of us will even accept. Like most of us will accept like, okay, we, we hey, we we signed the contract after six months or after a year even we get to go directly to the customer but during that year i'm not allowed to 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 cancel the contract because otherwise it would be unfair towards the client because they paid so much money um, to get you recruited um so it's interesting that you 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 say you you put on the the 30000 euros for a a permanent position because they have the exact same problem there. <laughs> if you accept a permanent position, if I would accept like, I accepted like a permanent position for 12 years um, and I, I worked through recruiters a couple of times, I can imagine that if a, if a company um, gets me through a recruiter and they have to pay that recruiter like 30,000 euros just to get me signed my contract, like my, 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 my permanent contract, and I'll leave that company within two months, you have the exact same problem. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, right. and there, there suddenly there, there's no problem over there that because, and with consultants, there is a problem. So but I don't isn't see it more I, likely for consultants because they're in that mindset to do shorter stints and they're, they feel, I mean, most people I know in payroll are uh, less likely to just say, okay, I'm leaving. Whereas freelancers seem to, you know, jump ship or you know change scenery often it's sort of in the nature of the of the animal almost to to do it and maybe that's, that's... My, yeah that, that's not my 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 experience because i think greg already said it like in the us 
there is no distinction between a permanent function and a um, a, a contractor a contractor position. Like they're the same thing. And suddenly, in, in, in I, I see that a lot, and in, indeed, like in, in Europe, and then mostly in the Benelux, uh, Belgium, Netherlands, uh, Luxembourg, France. But there's like this this fear of a consultant going away within a, whenever he wants to. First of all, I can't because my contract this doesn't allow me to stop my contract whenever I want to. I have to. I have a fixed time. If I sign for six months, I have to do six months. I can't like quit after after two months. Um, and there and there's a lot of contracts and a lot of people I know that have the same type of clause in their contract, like their their fixed time. You have to do six months, and otherwise there's like a penalty you have to uh, you have to incur. So I, I don't see how, how there is a difference between the, the, the permanent markets and the, the contractor market in that regard. I think, I think to go back to, I think from the cost sort of benefit side to a, to a client hiring a permanent member of staff is that that person might come in as a senior software engineer over the next two years, they evolve to a team lead, they get to know the product inside out, they, they evolve and they progress through the ranks and there's, you know, five years of growth and and insight that they can give specifically to them. Therefore, when they sign off a 30,000 fee, they're quite happy. Whereas it, with a contractor, sometimes it's like, you know, we're running behind on a project. We need an expert for, for six to nine months. We don't actually know how long the period will be, but depending on how good they are usually, you know, they might do it quicker, the better they are. But in that period, then they're not going to go and say, okay, here's, you know, the same amount of money to go and, you know, help us out just for this one project. They're thinking more about the long term there. So I, I just think with, with with clients, it's 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 slightly a non-starter. You know, with with, with 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 to look for that fee up front. I mean, the idea of contractors is okay. We'll pay them by the day. We'll sign off on the things that they do, and you know, if we're happy with it, and then that's that's what goes out the door. And obviously, there's a premium on that, uh, both through our rates and through your guys' rates as 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 um. As contractors, I think you'd be at, you'd be at risk of, of of eliminating the contract market altogether if that was the only for, form of of, of, of of recruitment. And if you get all the recruiters then moving to the permanent side, I mean, let's be honest, recruiters play a, play a much bigger part in the freelance market than they do in the permanent market in a lot of instances, right? I think we can all agree that because a lot of freelance positions are not advertised on websites, on LinkedIn. You guys find it quite difficult, I imagine, to find them yourselves. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that the tax people will will hate me for saying this, um, but do you actually know the reason why so many senior IT developers are going freelance? That's it has nothing to do with the fact that we we really want to go freelance or that we want to do like like shorter stints of of of, uh, of assignments. It's purely financial. It's because if you if you're an employee, you pay like a huge amount of taxes. Um, and if you and th there are like hu in, uh, a huge number of benefits when you're when you're a contractor. Like you don't have to ask permission to get leave. You don't have to ask permission to go to a certain conference. If I want to get a, a certain company car, I just get it. Um, if I want a certain type of laptop, I just buy it. Like and there's like this huge amount of of, of benefits that you get, and it's for a customer. It's with like with with Baku, I'm, I'm now at Baku for like like year and a half. 
there is no distinction between the service that they get from an, 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 a permanent employee and from a contractor. They get the exact same service, and it's like if if you if you look at like the the the, the time that that most contracts are, um, the fact that consultants like real IT developers, like developers, contractors, um, architects, tech leads, th things like that. We don't sign contracts for like three months or six months. That's very unusual for us to do that because we know we're in there, there for, the long, for the long haul. We, we, we sign contracts for like six months at a time because that's most of the time like the, 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 the period that the, the recruiter is comfortable with. Like every six months I have to re a, sign a new contract saying like you can work for another six months. But I, I, I've known people who worked for the same company, and I know a lot of people that work for the same company for over five years, sometimes 10, sometimes 15. At that point, there is no difference whatsoever anymore between a contractor and an, and an employee, beside the fact that instead of the company paying out a wage every month, they pay an invoice. That's the only difference. In, they, they get the same service. Um, and I think... If you, if you if you look at the the the, the value that they created, it's, it's also completely identical. So yeah, that that's my that's my that's my view on that. I think I think I would say that this is something you should argue with IT managers in Belgium, not me. I don't think that, that you know that, that's that's not for me to say. I, I go off what 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 where I can I can they they they're, they're the same as you. You know, they'll say to me the amount of times you know in my career where they've gone, I need a permanent tech lead. You know, and I'll, I'll wait 12 months so I can find a permanent guy. And I'm like, well, there's a guy here who's, you know, freelance, but, you know, you, he'll do exactly the same gig. You can have him starting next week and you don't have to search for three or four months and waste, you know, loads of time on interviews, loads of time process. And they push back. And that's an attitude thing. And this is the difference between the Euro Euro European and American, right? Because you see over there, They'll say to me on the job spec, they'll say, if he's got the skills, I'll pay him how he wants to be paid. In Belgium, there's an attitude like, you know, oh, I, I, I and in the Netherlands, there's an attitude against the, the, the freelance model sometimes because people think it's it's just, well, I don't know, because people want more money, which I guess it is, but that's fair enough. If you're in really scarce supply, you want to you wanna take advantage of that, right? And so... I think it's an attitude thing that you need to you, you need to speak to IT managers, not myself, about. I think in in, in Belgium and address address the uh, the, the general uh, the general population about that. But I'm I'm going off what my clients will pay and how they will pay it. You know, I actually do it quite often. Like I, I talk to IT managers, like why why do you really push for a permanent employee? And it's like, yeah, we want the certainty because uh, I. I think if if there is a, if there is a main reason be, between the difference between the U.S. market and the European market, and especially the Belgian market, is if you want to fire somebody in the U.S., it takes you two weeks. Mm -hmm. If you want to fire somebody in the in Belgium and he's been working for your company for like I don't know two years, I agree. Leave it. Actually, it'll, it'll I was you, thinking of that you, when yeah. you were saying, you know, oh, the only difference between uh, the, the one is you pay a, a wage and the other one you pay an invoice. I was thinking in the back of my mind, no, it's not. It's really not that easy. <laughs> an employee in Belgium is it's it's a burden. Like you literally don't want to employ people <laughs> because it it brings so much to the table of extra work. 
liabilities, you're, you're sort of stuck with them. Um, and the, the freelancer is, it, you know, they take all the risks themselves, you know, like, uh, something happens to me, you know, uh, yeah, it doesn't really damage the company that much. Uh, yeah. If I'm sick, me. if I'm sick, I don't get to invoice. Yeah. Or yeah, I lose a day. Like yeah. if I, if I'm sick for like, I, I, I was really lucky when I was an employee, I broke my leg. Oh, lucky well, you. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I was lucky. I was an employee when I broke my leg. Because I was home for two months. If I was if I was a, a contractor at that point, I wouldn't have any income for two months. Whereas I'm an employee, I just got paid every month, no problem whatsoever. So we take all the risk. As a, as a, we take a lot of risk. If I you, want if you to add some, something else. Okay, Matt, I'll let you, like, just one more remark. No, you said, it. you know, one of the things you said, Levin, was, oh, the reason why people want to freelance is, you know, more financial for tax reasons. And then you started, uh, you know, uh, listing off the, the things, the reason why you'd be a freelancer is like, I want to go to the conference I want to go to, I want to buy the car I want, I want to buy the, the, the gear I want. I think none of these are financials. You, you want freedom. You want to have the yep. freedom. So in a way, uh, financially speaking, okay, uh, it, it may uh, appear at first glance that, you know, you, you get a lot more benefits as a freelancer, and you, you do, I mean, definitely, but you also get a lot of risks. So the reason why I think people choose uh, permanent employment and freelancing is the way they, they stand in life or look at life, okay? And that's where I think in Belgium there's this cultural difference between somebody who knows they could be a freelancer and have all of the all of this freedom. They could have all of the, uh, uh, you know, pay uh, uh, lesser taxes or whatever, but they choose to be a permanent employee because they their philosophy in life is different. And I think those type of people are less likely uh, maybe to leave or whatever the, the hiring managers seem to think of it that way anyway is what I gather from Greg. Um, but I met, I, well, the, I interrupted yeah, you. Unless... The hiring managers, I want to mention about something about when they say, well, I want a permanent uh, employee. I really think in most cases, it's budget. An employee costs you less in general. The worst case, an employee would cost you the same as a as a as a consultant, and this is someone that would not show up, a bad element, sick all the time, uh, very lazy, not productive. That would cost you. That for that person, you have to pay the same as you're paying an, a, a consultant. Or you can decide, I'm this is my budget, my maximum is this much. I'm going to give it to a consultant, and I know I'm going to get basically I don't have to worry about anything, and I get the maximum of the value back. So the employee does cost less. Now, to hire the first employee is very difficult in Belgium. But then if you have a lot of them, the more you have, the easier it becomes because you don't all get sick at the same on the same day, right? You know, they kind of average. So you work with the average in that case. You become like more of a, like resilient chickens in a sense. Well, you know, it becomes, <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's a bad, you know, just to show like it becomes quantity, it's a quantity business, right? And in the quantity business, you have that to have someone sitting in HR or even a team in HR to handle this, but still you are saving in the long term. Will, would an employee stay longer than a, a consultant? Well, probably statistics will show you that, but that's not the main reason most of the time. I think the financial uh, cost is, is at play here. Mm. 
Yeah, I think, but I think as it's, it's, I always, I always just have this argument out with the manager. I'm saying, okay, so you hire someone now, it takes you three months to hire them. You lose all your staff, your team's time in interviewing through four or five processes. You make them an offer, they might accept, they might not. You'll probably make two offers before someone accepts the role with you guys because it's so competitive. And then they have sick pay, they have ramp up time because they're more junior. In the first, in the first 18 months, I think a contractor for the client is cheaper for sure. I think after 18 months, uh, the, the the permanent option becomes a, a better option for them. It all depends on the need at the time. You know, you've got to understand where they're up to in their projects and, and the expertise that they need, really. And and, and, and that's where you can find your, your gap as a, as a freelancer. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think to, 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 to circle back to, 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 to the main debate sort of thing, I think I would I, I would argue that you, for one, one side, you've got to see the value in in the service and, you know, in, in, in recruiting in the contract market, which I think you do. I think you, you see that there is work gone in there. I think you, you then go on to the ethical side of things. You know, you talk about time people in contracts. I think you can compare that to sort of any contracts in the world, really, that was going to have terms that are not, you know, in, in the US, for example, a software developer has, um, you know, uh, stocks that will vest every two years or so to keep them in the company till the two years and give them an incentive there to, to sort of remain and give them golden handcuffs, if you like. I think the golden handcuffs in a contract come with a, a really good day rate. And if you're happy with the day rate, it comes back to the, the point, you know, you know, can you complain about about, about, about getting a, an increase and, 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 and you're happy, your family's happy with the income? No one's got a gun to your head saying, hey, sign this contract, take this role. You know, I think I think to sum it up, I think that, that it's, it's always a, a, the free will of, of people. And like you say, maybe you just need to be a bit more selective about the recruiter you work with. Make sure that there's open negotiation. Make sure that the rules of engagement are outlined from the beginning and see what you can get from him before you agree to anything at the right start. That way you set yourself up for the future to be, you know, a, a bit more on, on your terms, I think. I, I have a question. I have a question. I think even this one goes to you <clears throat> because it has also been the, the, the main point up for debate is the, uh, is the cut that the recruiter gets and how long this should be and how much it should be. So in our hypothetical case, um, uh, there's a, a paying client and they hire you for, you know, Greg uh, sells you for 800 per day and you get 600 per day. So there's a 200 difference. Um, Let's say um, after a year, you, you, you have your contract, you, you put in that after a year, Greg drops out. And there's that 200 difference. Do you think that 200 difference should go into your pocket or it should be given back to the customer or to you split customer? it in the middle? Yeah, yeah I, would, I would just give it back to the customer. I'm, I'm quite, I don't really, I'm happy with my current day rates. I'm really happy with my current day rates. So, that that's the reason why I talk to IT managers. Like, it's not like if you would take out the middleman that you suddenly have to pay me more. I'm happy with what I'm paying. I just want you to get what you pay for. So if if the middleman would drop out, hey, if the customer goes like, yeah, we hey, we we want to give you like like we want to go up to six fifty, I wouldn't say no to that. But if they want to keep paying me six hundred, am I happy with my six hundred? I have no problem with that whatsoever. At that point, 
it's a win-win situation because at that point you, you the the customer pays less and you have even if better bond with your customer. But does this so, mean that uh, in your in your case now specifically with Barco that um, management does know your net uh, sure. uh, per DM yeah. versus what they? So doesn't that automatically negate the point you made about? Um, you know, oh, they're they're paying uh, eight hundred, but they're you know, I'm getting six hundred. They're expecting service for eight. They know how much you get. I'm not. I'm not going to go into specifics on. on oh yeah, the, on the my, numbers are all. My, oh, my, we're all hypothetical. Yeah, but, okay. Um, well, I talked to a lot of to a lot of uh, to a lot of companies, and they're like, they're not they're not happy with that situation either. But they feel like that they have no other choice. They can't find anyone else except through recruiters. Because again, then that's what, what, what Greg was telling you is that there is no central platform where they can put it on. And there's also, by the way, a very good reason why there is no central platform. Because why? that would be a that would be a honeypot for for recruiters. Because if if there was such a, a platform, that would be the first place a recruiter would look like look for like for assignments of wait, there's a company looking for for people. Let's call those let, let's call those people. Oh, there's there's somebody available on the market. Let's call that let, let's call that person and see whether I can place that that person somewhere. So there's a reason why that 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 platform doesn't exist. And people have tried that by the way in the past and they yeah. quit because of that same reason. I, I I would argue as well, what do you think would happen to your daily rates if uh, there was complete freedom of the market and everyone could apply for the jobs and you're going with 20 over 25 over freelancers all fine to get the most competitive sort of price point within 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 the market i mean i would argue that that would be negative and just to come back to the point again about the sort of the clients paying 800 well 800 is just just a figure they're not saying you're 800 pounds worth of man you know you're you're, you're do, doing this work you know there's everyone's got that sort of margin on top of them. So the market is skewed. You're right. It's inflated. But there's still the, the lineage of, you know, junior developers cost this much because they've got this much, you know, added on as well. It's not it's not that we're only targeting sort of you guys just right at the top end and, and adding and going crazy and chucking more money on you guys. It, it's, throughout, it's throughout the market that these costs are incurred, right? And, and if anything, for the more junior guys, the percentages might be higher because, they're, you know, they're not on, on so much. Yeah, you just you just you just mentioned one of the major pain points in our industry, and that's when is somebody senior? When is somebody a senior developer? When is somebody a media developer? When do you still consider somebody a junior developer? I know a lot of consultancy companies. If you went to a customer for like six months, hey, you're a senior. No man, it's even like you pass some kind of online certification test, and like oh. Well, well, Will sell you at this daily rate. So, the, so the market uh, isn't even skewed at that at, at the point of, of like like the the, the inflation it, of the daily it, rates. It's also in the titles. Like it's inherent. When is somebody a senior developer? I still don't know when 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 somebody is a senior developer. It's 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 an attitude. It's it has nothing to do with skill sets. It has it has to do with like how how does somebody adapt to a certain situation. Um, that's a service that companies pay me for. I don't even know whether I'm a senior developer or not. I just I just have a service that I say like, okay, even if I come into a company that I know nothing about the business, I I I, I will I will pick up pick the technologies and and the the skill sets that I'm I'm proficient at, of course, because otherwise 
they're paying for my for my training on the job, which I, which is completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If you're in a if you're an external uh, developer and if you're a contractor, um, but that's that that's a service that people pay for. I, I really I really don't like the fact that, that people say like okay we want to pay this much for a junior developer we want to pay this much for a meteor developer this much for a senior developer whereas the title itself is worth nothing hmm. because there are too many people that are calling themselves seniors even though they have like six months of experience or they even come straight out of school and because they have a master diploma they are considered a senior developer whereas a bachelor is considered a junior developer it's 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 completely ridiculous agreed if i if i can um leave and i want to this is your turn to be challenged now so um what well, about the platform uh, i think i think the the recruiters are a platform uh, there are other ones as well. I mean, if I look at, for example, LinkedIn, I could, I could, I mean, I've seen, I've seen companies, you know, hire directly and and people apply directly. Uh, if we talk about, you know, other places, you know, Monster, uh, I don't know what other names, you know, there's tons of them. I mean, there are there are places where some companies prefer to do their hiring themselves. So there are platforms, a centralized one. Yeah, uh, there's multiple ones, so there's no one centralized one, but there's some big ones that are you can consider them being the the hub for the ones that decide to go without a recruiter. So that does exist. I think the recruiters do exist today because they do bring value. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple of examples and tell me if you are if you would agree that this is added value that you wouldn't get somewhere else. Some recruiting companies, for example, they would say. Once you invoice, you get paid after one week, regardless whether the customer pays or not. So they have they have that guarantee. The customer says, I pay my invoice after 30 days or 60 days. So they give you that benefit, right? Or some of them would give you a contract and say, you know what, you're into this business and it's really hot right now. We guarantee that you're gonna work this many days in the year, guaranteed that you're gonna get to invoice those. You're not gonna be like, you know, if, if the customer stops, you're still covered. So these are two small examples. Very common. I'll give by a the third way. one on that, Matt. Uh, yeah, so please. Let's say uh, for some companies who might not want to work directly with freelancers because you're too small. If you get hit by a bus, they don't have a replacement for you. Whereas the the recruitment company is, says, you know, we guarantee if Levin breaks his leg and he's out for two months, we're going to get you someone else. And that makes some companies more likely to uh, to give, hire you because. If it's just you as a lone gun, I think it adds to what Med has been uh, yeah. saying. Like, so, do you think additional services? And a fourth one is like Greg said: is the the proactively looking for a pos- like creating the position that wasn't there, which a platform is not going to do. But getting to know the company, getting to know the people, saying, "Hey, I got somebody that might match you," is not something a website is going to be able to do. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it. Yeah, yeah. sorry, so go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, just to finish uh, my my kind of like just to package what what we said, right? So. Do you think all of this, if you put them together, they're worth something? I mean, I agree with you. They shouldn't be endless, right? Which is what the pain, the, the pain point. But this would add up, I would believe, to some sort of extra value, extra, you know, commission that has to go to these people somehow. Absolutely. Um, I actually actively drop my daily rates. If people, if a contractor says like, we are going to pay your contract, your invoice within seven days. 
I actually give a discount on my daily rates on that one. If they ensure that, that I can invoice a certain amount of days, I am more than willing to give an, a discount on my on my daily rates based on that one. So that's absolutely not an issue at all. Like th that's a ser that's a service that I pay for. That's a service that they want to give me, and I am more than willing to pay for a service that they that they that they grant me. Um, but there's like this 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 you have the 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 value that they create or the value that they provide towards you as a as a a, a contractor and values the ones that you you pointed out like like um, paying an invoice in time even though uh, that I, I know where the problem where you arise like if you work for a, a government company it takes like 60 or 90 days to get your invoice paid and that's that can be very very painful so if a contra if a recruiter company says like okay we are you have to work through us but we ensure that your invoice gets paid within seven days. I am more than willing to pay for that. Um, same thing with the amount of days. Like we 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 um, we ensure that you get you get six months of, of continued employment. Um, we will not cancel the contract even, or we will pay out the contract even if the customer um, decides to 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 stop the contract. That's something that they are taking a risk at that point, and I'm more than willing to pay for that risk that they are taking. It's almost the like they thing. become your your uh, employer. Um, not really. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, they 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 do they do do take some risks. But it's like but the, the employee still... also continuously generates value for the employer as well, right? Can you? Go yeah, on? but they. Yeah, but there is still a difference. For example, if I if I if I if I'm sick for two weeks, I don't expect I get to invoice for two weeks, even though I'm sick. Yeah. If I go on vacation, I don't expect to be paid during my vacation. Th those are the risks that I'm willing to take. So it's a give and take at that point. Whereas there there is still a discrepancy if you're an employee. There is a a power discrepancy between the employee and the employer. That, that it, that's my opinion. There's a there's a power discrepancy. Um, Matt, I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned LinkedIn. Um, when was the last time that you updated your LinkedIn? Uh, uh, just the, the the question that the yeah. reason why I ask is like, if I update my LinkedIn, my phone is glowing red for the next two weeks, and I that's the reason why I don't do it, like because. I, I probably Greg, Greg will probably be able to answer that, but you guys probably get a notification when somebody updates their profile, or, it's a or they, they come somewhere on top of the list, and it's then suddenly everybody starts calling you, like, "Hey, we just saw you updated your LinkedIn profile. Are you looking for something new?" I was like, "No, I was just updating like a title in my in one of my previous functions, or I was updating a description, something like that." But suddenly, I I, just, I don't really bother anymore about LinkedIn because it's. It's like a honeypot for developers and I for for recruiters and I I I just I I try to limit my my edits on LinkedIn as little as possible because yeah at that point when when I when I edit my profile it's 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 a free for all when when it comes to that but to 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 circle back to the original discussion I do agree that there are a lot hey, there are probably a lot of good recruiters out there. Um, I do dare to say that there is a, a, a imbalance 
between the the ones that 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 are the good ones and the ones that are really in there for like getting as much people as possible through the pipeline um they don't really care about whether they have the correct person in the in the function in, in on the correct place at that point they just want to get like as many people recruited as possible um that's my experience unfortunately um and um but yeah, in that state, like, couldn't, you, couldn't you literally replace recruiter with, let's say, um, uh, somebody who tiles floors or installs bathrooms or, you know, it's not, it's not for any service that because of the uh, demand, like the skew in, in uh, demand versus the, the available people to do the job, there's like tons of people coming into the sector just saying, oh, this is an easy, is an easy place to make money. And they might employ, you know, like the carpet bombing technique you mentioned. I, I think it works for some people, and by work, it mean, I mean it, it makes them they, they make profit off of it, so they, they keep doing it as well. No? Like, do you think this is specifically something that uh, recruiters deal with? Or like Greg said, like isn't the same, for example, in, in the software engineering side as well, like there's tons of people, and not all of them might be of, of uh, acceptable or equal quality. Yeah, I, th- I think every every industry has that same problem. I think every there, there are people in that in the, there are always people in an industry that ruin it for everybody else. Uh, we have the same thing with with IT developers. Like, there's a lot of IT developers who who woke up some more some morning, took some uh, some Coursera courses, and then just pump into the market like, "Hey, I'm a senior developer because I have 15 years of experience." By the way, I only have six months of experience developing software, but I have 15 years of professional experience. I have developer on my resume, so I'm a, I'm a senior developer. And those are the ones that ruin us, ruin the market for everybody else. I think it's the same thing with recruiters. Um, I think, unfortunately, if you look at the current markets and the current recruiting ecosystem in, in Belgium, for example, I know a lot of um, contractors who have a blacklist of uh, recruiters and Unfortunately, all the big ones are on that on are on that blacklist. Um, so there's like this, this. I think it's it's a it's a it's a feeling about how how contractors. Uh, yeah, you probably know Greg how we call you guys. Um, we call you guys pimps. Yeah. Um, and there's there's what a good the, reason. What does it make us though? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't want to call them. Hey, you said, yeah, I was say, you said it, Errol, not me. <laughs> yeah, so what, what would that make us? I wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but but uh, there's like this 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 feeling about uh, about recruiters. Like, I don't I don't know any contractor who says like, "Hey, I love my recruiter." And there's a big difference. Between, there's there's a problem there. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't get why. Why hey, you have a PR problem? Let me let me put it that way. <laughs> well, I'm, this is this is why I'm here to try and address that. But I mean, I can, can can I just yeah to go back to that? I mean, at the end of the day, you guys, like you say, let's let's purely look at the contract side of things rather than the permanent. Let's like not get away from it because this is where I think the real problem with recruiters is. I don't see a massive problem that people have with recruiters in the permanent sector as much as the freelance because you guys deal with us more often and like you say, you're tied into the contract, so we have to keep a relationship. And you guys, we're gonna butt heads, right? Um. At the end of the day, you guys have set up your own businesses. You're, you, you know, you're not actually being employed by us because that's what you've chosen to opt out of. You've chosen to opt into being your own little consultancy, right? And go out there and 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 deal with 
the world is. So it's a business to business transaction. Now, any business in the world that, that that goes, you know, you go and buy a Porsche, you don't go to the guy at the dealership. I, hang on, how, how much did it cost you to actually build this Porsche? You know, how much was the cost on it? What, what margin are you making here? Or how much is, is you know, a handbag? How much does that actually cost you? How much value are you actually adding there? The reason I think this is such a contentious issue is because it is people that we're working with as a product. And that's why people don't like it. That's why sometimes it becomes a bit of a personal thing because you feel a bit, you know, like you're, 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 you're being used and it's, it, it feels a bit wrong. But you've got to look at it as a purely business transaction. Okay, I'm in a business here. I've got 12 months. I don't have an income right now. Or maybe my income's a bit lower than I'd like it to be. Let me go and find out what my price point is in the market. And I will go and, I will go and move and take that price point. And then if you're not happy in 12 months, again, the recruiter's not giving you a pay rise, whatever it may be. The free market is there to go out again. You can you can leave that recruiter and you can go and find another recruiter and go and work with him for eight months. You know, I think. But I also have to leave my customer, and that's that that sucks. But your customers employed us as their as their agent. They're paying us to to, you know, they've they they they've they've gone through us to find you. You know, you didn't know about that cost that customer and that opportunity until the recruiter brought it to you necessarily. And it's easy to yeah, see. no, but for after after like. Three years, like after three years, I'm like, I really want to raise. Yeah. Recruiter says no because yeah. they want to keep their margin. Mm. I have no other choice than to either accept the fact that I, I can't get a raise or I have to leave the recruiter and my customer because I, I, I can't work for that customer directly without that recruiter. So that's really painful. And that, that, that you, you, you mentioned ethics. That's to me not ethical because, yeah. At that point, you you you're forcing a a person to do something that they don't want to do. Like they want, they have to leave their customer mm. because they they can't get a raise with 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 the recruiters. Um, but I think I, I think again that comes back to you know you you make human connections. You like your manager. You like all that sort of thing. That's where it's difficult. Whereas you know if it's if it's a, a company who um, I don't know, you know, employ a certain uh, CRM and they're tied to that CRM for, for for four or five years, you know, maybe they don't want the hassle of changing around. But if that CRM puts their price up by you know a few thousand a month, then they they have to leave. It's you've got to look at it from 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 a business perspective. I feel otherwise it, it does become a difficult matter because. And I, you know, I think everyone struggles with it a bit. You're like, you know, it's it is it's difficult because these are this is human. I'm dealing with at the end of the day, um, but that human has has chose to set up their own company and and operate through that for the benefits that you you've outlined. But I guess every every option comes with a, a what you perceive as, as as a negative, you know, in in the recruiter. But I tell you what, I think it would be you'd find a lot potentially worse practices if you're working with clients if there's no such thing as recruiters you work with clients directly they wouldn't want to be chopping and changing and letting you go the whole time or you know a, a company might not give you a raise and that's why a lot of permanent guys move because a company turns around and says hey we're not increasing your permanent salary this year we've not had a great year you know and then they have to go and okay i don't really want to leave but they're not paying me what my market worth is so i have to yeah, but again, then you just figure you just pointed out the fact that there is no difference between a contractor and a, and a permanent employee. Like at that point, if you have no in between, in between a no middleman in between, 
and you are talking directly to your customer, that's the same thing as if you were an employee. It's just a purely, it's a fiscal difference between the, if, you, if you're an employee, it's an investment. If you're a contractor, it's a cost. That's, it's just an accounting, accounting thing, nothing, nothing more. You get the exact same service from a, a customer, from an employee, than you get from a contractor. Um, so, yeah, I, I I totally agree with what Matt said. Like, there are certain levels of service that you that I would be more than willing to pay for. Um, but first of all, if they would be transparent about that, like uh, if you say like, okay, we have this customer. What's your daily rate? Okay, um, that's your daily rate. Um, okay, but if you want to get paid. Um, after seven days, you have to give like 20 or 30 euros discount on the daily rate because that's the risk that we take. Um, we take a fixed uh, fee of like 50 euros a day just to cover costs like or like we get need to do some invoicing. We need to pay the people that do the invoicing. Um, those are all services that you can pay for, but you have to be transparent about that up front. You can't, and that's one of the major issues that I have. Like um, Erol said it uh, very, very, um, very eloquently. Um, by accident, I know how much my customer pays for me, mm. because that's like one of the most guarded secrets in companies. Like, if you're a contractor, getting to know how much your customer actually pays for you is an exception to the rule. I still know about a company where I was an employee, I was a consultant for, for a consultancy company. I was working at that, at that, uh, at a customer site. And by accident, somebody forwarded an Excel sheet with the daily rates of everybody in the company. And I was mm, like, awesome. yeah, there was, there was like this huge scandal because that was like private information. Nobody uh, should know about uh, and there were some serious discrepancies where we were talking about people uh, invoicing 500 euros a day and getting invoiced by the company for 800 euros a day. There was like this 300 but euro difference. That's, that's not the worst. Like uh, there are people in permanent positions working for consultancies being sent out. Like uh, there's like the uh, per, per diem of a thousand euros or more. And then that person gets 2000 euros a month net yeah. in, as a wage. Yeah. And uh, talk about unethical well, there. <laughs> you, yeah. you want to talk ethics? I think that's there as well. Yes. And what will what will this company say? Well, for that one consultant we sent there, we have three other people in the back office. We've got uh, the person filling the copier. We've got the pe person doing HR. They go and do the customer, but we need to pay all of them. And we also have like regular freelancers. We need to pay them, and also, so okay. Without look, I don't want to. Um, even further broaden the, the scope of this discussion. I think um, I'm going to uh, let everybody uh, make some closing remarks, uh, if that's okay with you, because we've been at it for, for an hour. Um, uh, Greg, I'll let you answer something, yeah. but I'm going to have you have the last word in the closing remarks. Uh, since you are the recruiter and there's three developers here, I think it's only fair you get the last word. Perfect, perfect. Okay, yeah, I was just going to just jump back to the, the point you made about sort of costs of recruiters there, like saying be transparent. Here's the 60 euros for 
um, the uh, the back office, here's the six years for the timesheets. You know, I see you post on LinkedIn a lot when people say, um, you know, freelancers post on their IT guys in particular saying, oh, you know, you can't charge a thousand pounds for this service. It only took you half an hour to do. Well, no, I trained for 20 years to, to, to do so. In the same, in the same, it, it, you know, in the same instance as that, you know, it's maybe taken me six years of, you know, working 7 a.m. till 7, 8 p.m. at night to meet up with the right stakeholders in, 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 in Belgium and network the companies and find the right decision makers who can hire people in my skill set. It might have taken me five years to get to that point. And when we have a conversation, I've then done all that back work and I can go back to that and rely on that hard work and introduce you. How, how can I, when, I, when we're talking rates and talking about transparency, how can I quantify that effort and, and, and make it clear to you and make you, know, you guys understand that? Because at the same time, it's like you guys saying, well, you, I did all these courses. I, t- I went to these conferences. I went to these you know, coding boot camps. I studied university for, for four years, five years. You know, that's not included on your invoices to your current client saying this is for this, this is for that, this is for that, right? And you're providing them with a service. So that's how Although the points that Levin uh, made were, they're more like uh, practical issues, right? Levin didn't go into the whole backstory of my education, this and that. He said, you know, why don't you make transparency the uh, percentage that goes into um, making sure my invoices are paid on time? I can opt in and opt out. Like if it was like almost like a menu and you can transparently just like, oh, this is like an insurance I'm willing to pay or, yeah. you know, I don't want a headache. It seems like that that was more what Levin meant, right, Levin? Yeah, and it's the same thing. Like I thought it was interesting that you said like you, you spent like six years. Uh, I, I, think, I think you're one of the better recruiters out there if I, if I, if I hear you. You're very passionate and you, you sound like you're, you're very capable. Um, the problem is like you you have like if you say like okay I, I paid for like I worked for ten years and I I, I amassed all this this knowledge I want to get to get compensated for that. If you on the other hand if I get contacted by a recruiter that only has one year of experience straight out of school can I expect him to get a lesser cut? I would. <laughs> I would, I would, I would add to that by you need to be selective as a as a as a recruiter, like you are, like you are already, like you say, with spelling mistakes, with you know mixing up technologies, those sort of typical rookie errors. And I do agree with your your point, um, quite strongly that the recruitment market is too flooded with people who who, who are no good, really. I think that the thing is, in, in software, if you're a software developer, you've been to, you've probably been educated, or you've or you've learned yourself in in other forms of education. And to get that role, so there's less bad software developers than there are bad recruiters. I think you know if if, if we're going to compete like that. But I mean, I, I do agree that you need to be selective. But you might speak to the guy after one year, and he's he's brilliant. You know, he's done his work. He's he's put the hours in, and and that's for you to decide. You know, at, at the end of the day, if you want to work with him. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a good point. But I think it's 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 the value that they can bring you is 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 the important bit, right? Okay. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I think we should uh, uh, round up here because I, I don't feel we're going to get to the bottom of this, but a lot of things have been uh, talked about. Uh, Med, uh, would you mind uh, giving us some uh, of your closing remarks before I uh, turn back to Levin and Greg? Uh, well, um, yeah. Uh, just to, to what, what one one thing that was mentioned is like 
uh, it was mentioned that you know every industry has has this this uh, this type of uh, um, you know um, nightmares kind of. I think cowboys. Not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I sure hope it's not every industry. I think we've done good with the in the medical sector, where a doctor does not show up the next day, uh, fresh uh, after finishing his books, uh, to start operating on people. Uh, also, uh, for example, uh, uh, pilots. You know, um, they 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 go through. Um, so the the process is there for them. I think what we need in the recording um, recruitment industry or employment industry is just, I think, a platform for rating. If we have a good a way where you give your feedback, I give my feedback. At some point, we would have some sort of average where we say, "Hey, Greg is, you know, five, five stars, and uh, someone else is only three and a half." That would be my closing statement. Wow. <laughs> okay. I would I would even say that the IT industry as the developers need that rating system as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody, but. I think it's interesting to know, like, if you if you compare like our industry to engineers to doctors, like the medical industry, um, there are very very strong ethics uh, between in, in those in those areas. Like, um, yeah, if you if you're a doctor, you have to uh, you have the the Socrates oath. Um, um, if you if you're an engineer, for example, in the U.S. Um, a lot of times you need to get a license to be an engineer. Um, you don't get to go to school and and say like, hey, I'm an engineer, or just somebody goes to goes mm-hmm. to some evening classes and say like, hey, I'm an engineer. That doesn't happen. Um, unfortunately, with IT, that is the case. Um, you can just hey, read a book about developing and you just say like, hey, I'm a software developer. And that's um, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's wonderful, but it's also very dangerous. Yeah. It's also it very dangerous for our, for our industry. Um, I think it's the same thing with recruiting. Like you can you can. I, I sometimes I look up like my recruiters on on LinkedIn, uh, the people that call me, and I see like, okay, they just they just came out of uh, out of university. Um, they had a major that has nothing to do with with recruiting whatsoever. Um, and they suddenly call me to recruit for an IT. Uh, and then you get mails like saying, oh, uh, if you know C, C++, or C Sharp, this might be the position for you. Like, what have those things to yeah, do with Yeah, I, I, get, I, get, I get calls for .NET like all the time, whereas my last .NET experience was 15 years ago, my first job. Um, or like people say like, hey, you know, you know Java, so you also know JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Levin, I'm going to ask you, um, if you can, uh, to summarize what you think we discussed in this episode. I think there is value in, in recruiters. Um, I think I think how the current value is defined is, is, is in my honest opinion, incorrect. Um, but I do see a market for develop, uh, for recruiters to be the bridge between companies and the individual uh, contractors. Um, I think there is still some alignment to happen between how do we align the the, the margins, um, how do we um, safeguard the skill sets, how do we safeguard quality, things like that. Um, okay, thanks. Uh, I, I wish I wish the I I'm very happy to to see Greg so open about uh, all of this. Um, it's not my experience in the past to have ex- to have recruiters be 
so open about questioning their own <laughs> their own industry. <laughs> well, Greg, uh, maybe you can uh, give some uh, closing remarks as well. Yeah, likewise. I'm glad, I'm glad obviously the value is seen. I mean, <laughs> I think it, at recruitment, it was like a 50 billion uh, pound industry in, in the UK, you know, like a couple of years ago. And I imagine it's taken like a bit of a hit in COVID, but, you know, it's, it's, there's value there for sure. You know, the, the free market dictates that. Um, I think the, the ethics is obviously something that, that, that has to be discussed. I think this discussion really helps see both sides of the coin. It's just about communication. Like you said, Levin, you probably not have the open and frank discussion with a recruiter before. I think, yeah, we, we have to be careful that we, 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 we judge everything as a business-to-business transaction in contracting. I think that's one thing I would say. It can't be personal. It can't be an employer-employee relationship. Um, and, yeah, I think my, my advice always comes back to the fact that, you know, choose your recruiter well. You know, choose someone who you can have a conversation with. You can pick up the phone and go, hey, look, I'm not happy about this. You know, you've got to be reasonable, which, you know, you guys obviously are some 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 contractors aren't. You know they'll say give me you know two hundred or leave in the middle of a mission and you look awful to the client. Then that's that's not really ethical in my book. But you know if as long as there's fairness on both sides, pick your recruiter well, someone who knows the market. Try and be selective. Try and get use GDPR to your own advantage and get off you know these the the, the dodgy little uh, companies who are who are who are not offering no value at all and. Um, yeah, maybe we've, we've, we've formed the inception of Rate My Recruiter or, uh, on this call. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, trip, trip advisor for recruiters. Hey, Greg, um, if people should have more questions uh, for you or, or just generally looking for a recruiter, um, where could they best reach you? Yeah, um, so LinkedIn is probably the best. I mean, you, you, I'll be tagged in the, in the post. Yeah, I'll tag for you. This. And um, yeah, any, any, any questions or anything anyone might have, comment on there. I'll put my I'll comment on the post and so people can reach me. Um, and I can point you in the direction of I've got a couple of really good colleagues in in, in the, the European market, and likewise, um, you know, I'm building connections every day out here in the US. So it's um, I'm hoping to, uh, to 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 be crossing, building a bridge over the the Atlantic for for guys as well in the in the near future. So um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, good guys who are very capable. So um, I think it'd be rude not to really with the shortage over there, especially as well. Um, but yeah, I really okay, appreciate. So you you heard it here. If you uh, if you're looking uh, for an opportunity as well, you can always contact uh, Greg. So this is the other way around where we say you know, <laughs> contact a recruiter. Okay. Hey, uh, Levin, where where uh, should people uh, find you? Well, you can always use my LinkedIn um, and uh, my Twitter um, is also open for everybody. So uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Levin Doklu. Yeah, that's just my name and my last name. So, yeah. okay. okay, Master Med, where can people find you? They can always uh, find my contact info at uh, medmed.com. That's M A D M E D.com. Okay. Well, me, I'm Errol Baikal. You can find me at uh, baikal.be. That's B A Y K A L.be. And for our dear listeners at home, or on your yacht, or on the train while you're commuting to your no longer remote work. Thank you for listening, and we hope we'll catch you next time. Bye.